Well, a nominal Christian is a Christian in name only. So it's somebody who uh, would would assume they're a Christian or even claim to be a Christian. Maybe their their family or cultural heritage background uh, is a Christian one. Maybe even they go to church, but there's no spiritual hunger in their lives. There's no desire to know God better. Uh, and so they don't find any uh, joy from reading the Bible or hearing the Bible taught. Uh, they don't delight in God at all. They live their lives for other things. They're focused on other pleasures. Um, they're not orienting their life towards God. They don't go to God asking for forgiveness. All those things are signs that uh, you're, you're a nominal Christian, that, that your claim to be a Christian is just words. It's not uh, reality. Jesus says that when he comes back to judge the world, that there's going to be a whole group of people that, that call him Lord, that say to him, Lord, Lord, uh, that, that even did impressive things on his behalf and just assumed that, that they were cool with Jesus, just assumed that Jesus was their friend. Jesus says that he's going to tell those people, uh, go away, I, I never knew you. Uh, it's not enough just to say you're a Christian. It's not enough just to say that you one time a long time ago prayed a prayer or checked a box or walked an aisle, and so you're a Christian. Instead, the, the question is, do you know Jesus? Are you following him? Have you turned from your sins and are you trusting in him right now? Nominal Christians are churchgoers or otherwise religious people whose faith does not go beyond being identified with a church, a Christian group, or denomination. They are Christians in name only. Christ has no bearing in their lives. Nominal Christians may attend church and Christian functions, and they self-deny as Christians, but it's just a label. They view religion primarily as a social construct and they do not allow it to require much of them in terms of morality and responsibility. Nominalists take a minimalist approach to their faith. Nominalism is of concern to many pastors and preachers and Christian theologians as it appears to be on the rise today. Many identify themselves as Christians, but the overall impact of Christianity in the West is not what it once was. But what causes nominalism? Why do people prefer a nominal or an in-name-only type of Christianity? One possible reason is that nominal religion is easy. It does not require a changed life. A nominal Christian can point to membership in a church as evidence of his or her salvation. Church attendance and participation in routines, activities, and programs become the measuring stick rather than a changed life, a new heart, and love for God, and obedience to God's Word. So today, uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, over the past several months, I've had the opportunity to take an, an online church history class. Um, so I've been taking that for about two months now, and Prior to me taking this class, I never really had a lot of church history, knew not much about church history. We know as we read the, the book of Acts, it talks uh, about the beginnings of the church. So I went from there, and then I went to my current state of, of where I am in the church today. So this class has taught me many things uh, about church history. It has showed me uh, different types of, or, or how the church has grown. 
because if we, if we think about it, the church has grown in many ways. If the church wouldn't have grown over the centuries, we wouldn't be here today. So you, you're able to see the, how the church has grown. You're also able to see uh, the persecution of the church. So it hadn't always been good times uh, through, the, through the centuries of the church and as the church has grown. There's been times of where people have had to face persecution. And I had the opportunity probably three weeks ago and Keith knows this well, I had to write a, a paper. And I trust me, I, I do not write papers. I love math and I hate English. So I really struggled with this, but I had the opportunity to write a paper on an emperor of, the, of Rome. His name was Diocletian. And basically what, what he was is he couldn't stand Christians. He liked to use Christians as scapegoats. So anything that went wrong in his empire, he would what would he do? He would blame the Christians. And he would do it up to the point of death, up to the point of killing them. So not only him, but other uh, leaders or, or other folks that disagree with Christianity did that through the years. So, also, so not only church growth, but church persecution. And then the, the, the state of the church, where the, the church was, uh, was proclaimed, or it was, it was tolerated by the state, even to the point of per, it was promoted by the state, or made the state religion. Uh, and a lot of us have heard the name Constantine. So he's the one that kind of flipped some of that around where you went from a time of, of persecution to a time of accepting Christianity or, or tolerating it uh, to a time of where it began uh, to be the, the state church. But you may think as, 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 I, as I read through this and you may be thinking now, well, who in the world wouldn't want to go from a time of, of persecution to a time of where the state supported the church or the, or the state come along with the church? But you see, what that does, and that's what we're going to look at today, is you go from issues outside the church where you've got a lot of folks just coming and or, or, or persecution of the church, so you go to issues within the church. You start having problems with, with folks that claim to be Christians. And I learned about this term here. I, I ran across it a, a few weeks ago of nominal Christianity. So you see, whenever the church came along or the state came along with the church, you begin to have people come into the church who were not true believers why? Because it was easier to say that you were a believer, right? If you're not being persecuted, it's easy to state that you do something or state that you believe something because you're not going to be persecuted uh, for what you're saying. So what happened is when the, when the uh, state come along with the church, they begin to have these people come into the church that were not true believers. And one of the things that the professor had told me whenever I began to take this class, he made me realize what's the importance of church history. A lot of us may not have the desire to learn history of our past, and I've, I'm kind of the opposite of that. I've always had an interest in, in learning things of the past, whether it had to do with Christianity or other things of the world. But you see, one of the things that he had taught me is the reason that we learn the history or history of the church is so a lot of times we prevent from repeating the things that happened in the past that may be a distraction to the church. And as I thought of that, I, and, and, and I learned this term here, I could only think that nominal Christianity is something that we still have in the church today. We still have nominal Christians or folks that claim to be followers of Christ but really do not have it or allow it to be a bearing on their, on their life or they have not made Jesus the Lord of their life. So I want to look at that a little bit today and I want us to look at things that we may have in our life or things that we may need in our life and it and, and my desire is for you to ask your, your question, are, are, are you that person? Or maybe you know someone that's doing that. Or maybe you thought that, hey, this was me. This is what I thought church was. Maybe, you know, I thought that worship on Sunday morning was, 
was what it was all about. So I want us to look into that today. This is a topical type sermon. I know Brandon don't like topical sermons, but I really wanted to focus in on this nominal Christianity and see what scripture says about that. I'm going to put some scripture up on the board, but I will be moving around a little bit, so I encourage you to, to write those down, write those scriptures down, and to go, as you leave here today, go throughout this week and dig into God's word. Trust me, this is not enough. What we're going to talk about today is not all in all. My, I want to encourage you to go and search the scriptures and see uh, what we go over today. The purpose of, of Sunday morning is to edify the people and for the people to go back and search the scriptures and to, and to learn from yourself and study. As, as Brandon or, or someone talked earlier, I think we was uh, in the uh, prayer group this morning, Dakota says it's, it's for the desire for us to us to get into the scriptures and see what God is saying, see what he's saying into our life and the importance of it. And we're going to look at a little bit about that today and kind of see uh, why the scripture is important. But if you do have your Bibles, turn with me into Matthew chapter 7. And as, some of the, as I mentioned, some of these are going to be on the board, but some of them you will need to look up uh, in, your, in your Bible, whether you've got the, the physical Bible or you've got it on your phone, either one will be fine. But we're going to be looking at verse 21 through verse 23. And it says, not everyone, well, let me, let me pause there. If you would, please stand as we read uh, through this first verse here. And then you guys can be seated after we get done. Chapter 7 and verse 21, and we're going to be reading through verse 23. And it says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I would declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. All right, you may be seated. So as you read through or as we read or just read through verse 7, this was a verse that I always, as growing up in church, Growing up as a nominal Christian myself, this was a verse or passage of scripture that I, a lot of times I would read myself and I would, after every time that I would read that verse, I would question my faith. And I would always question and say, hey, I would wonder, is that going to be me? Is that going to be me that whenever I'm standing before Jesus that day and, and, and I'm sitting there claiming I did this or I did that, is it going to be enough for him? It made, me, it made me question my faith to the point of where I would oftentimes tell myself, hey, maybe you need to go talk to the pastor. Maybe you need to go and talk to a mature Christian believer. And see, why well, I would tell myself that because it would make me feel better because the intention of me going and talking to someone about that would always satisfy that fear that I had, right? You know, a lot of times we're, we like to do that as well. We all, a lot of times, have good intentions of doing things because what does it do? It satisfies that desire. It satisfies us with, with whatever God may be trying to get us to do or, or talk to us about, but we have good intentions. So I'd always have good intentions of saying, hey, I'm going to go and I'm going to talk to someone. But I never did. I never did. I'd always, uh, always put it off. So this verse of, of Scripture here has is, is haunted me uh, before I, I became a believer in Jesus Christ. It would always make me think. And uh, I'd always wonder. But it says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father 
who is in heaven. And I, you know, I oftentimes as well think about that scripture and I think about, you know, we've talked in here and Brandon's talked about this before about the Lord's Prayer and how so many today and even myself, I, I lived that life of where I was caught up into that Lord's Prayer and somebody would come up to me and they would ask me, they would say, hey, Dustin, are you, are you, are you a follower of Christ? Absolutely. I said that prayer. Or, or, or I've heard people say, I've been talking with people before and I've asked them, hey, you know, you know, we get to talking about their faith. Yeah, Grandma said I said it this day. So you don't know when you said it, but you know your faith stands on what Grandma said you said. And so many of us, or, or, or myself, and, and I'm speaking to myself here, my faith was wrapped up in saying that prayer and that prayer alone. You see, I thought my faith began with that prayer, the middle of my faith was that prayer, and my faith ended with that prayer. So for those that, that may have that same feeling or may not understand that fully, if we come up today and, and, and God is working on our heart today and we come up and we say, Lord, I, 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 something's going on in here. I want, I want something to change. And we were to confess our sins and, and profess, hey, that we're a believer in Christ and we go from here today, but yet tomorrow we're back living to the same or doing the same things that we were last week before we came to know Jesus. You have to ask yourself, or is your faith caught up in the prayer alone? Or do you seek the will of God? You see, this prayer here, as we may say the, the Lord's Prayer, we may profess our faith, profess, profess that Jesus is Christ. It's only the beginning. It's only there to light that fire in our life to do the will of God. We should have the will or have the desire to do the will of God, and that, that, that prayer that we say is, is to, to, for us to profess that and desire to do what God has called us to do. Look, looking back at that verse, and in verse 22, it says, On the day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we, didn't, we, we did not, I'm sorry, Lord, Lord, we prophesy in your name, we cast out demons in your, in your name, and do, done many mighty works in your name. You see, they did many great things in Jesus' name. And a lot of us today do many great things, right? A lot of people today do many things and claim to do it for Christ. A lot of us today are here in the church today or we're here at worshiping today because, hey, we're, we're, we're believers in Jesus. Or a lot of us, hey, we're going on a mission trip when about two weeks we're going on a mission trip. A lot of folks say, hey, I'm, 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 I do missions. I go on mission trips. And I do this and I do that. I give to the church. I give to the poor. I come and volunteer for this. I volunteer for that. And a lot of you today may be thinking, well, well, if I do all of these things, is it all wrapped up into doing things for the Lord? As we can see in this verse, these are great things here. Prophesy. Do, do great, mighty works. Speak in tongues. But it shouldn't be caught up in the action. Our faith is not wrapped around in what we do for Christ. It's more than that. It's more than just going and doing things and, and, and trying to, to be active for, for Christ. And I oftentimes think of the, the book or, or the story of Mary and Martha. What was Mary doing? What was Mary uh, there doing in that story? Whose feet was she sitting at? Christ. But what was uh, Martha doing? She was busy doing stuff, right? And she thought that, and she got upset, right? She got jealous, or she got upset with Mary, and she was like, Jesus, hey, I'm doing, I'm sitting here, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing that, and all Mary's doing is she's sitting here and doing nothing. But what's more important, sitting at the feet of Jesus, learning about Jesus, having an intimate relationship with Jesus, or is it, is it more important to be busy, 
to be busy with, with things of the church, doing this and doing that, but yet we never spend time with Christ. We never get into God's word. And, and Brandon, I just last night in the debate and stuff and, and him and Keith both, if we all in here today had the passion that these two have with God's word and learning God's word and trying to correct those that their interpretation of God's word is not correct. Think about the life that we would have. Think about how, how we, we, we would have that intimacy for the Lord. We just have to have the desire. We should all have the desire that these two have just by getting into the word. As somebody, I think somebody mentioned it last night, the Bereans and how they had the desire to, to study and know God's word. That should be all of us. We shouldn't desire to come or if we have a question about what God's word says and come to these two and say, hey, what does this mean? We should have the desire to get in there and study and know for ourselves. So if anything, we should, we should recognize their desire and love for God's word and to know the truth because that's what God has called us to do. And I failed to mention, I, I, I failed to mention what this topic is. So this first point that I have is nominal uh, Christians are workers of lawlessness. Nominal Christians are workers of lawlessness. And then you see that as it comes in verse 23. And Jesus says, And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And you may be thinking as we've, we've kind of talked about some of the things of, of what we should be doing, but I, wanna, I want us to look a little deeper in that. I want us to look at some scripture that we can know. I don't want anybody leaving from here today and say, hey, what? okay, we talked about this, but what, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do with it? What are things that need to be in my life that I know I'm walking with Christ? What are things that don't need to be in my life that, that, that are there that may be preventing me from walking with Christ? So I want us to look at a few scriptures. And again, I don't think these are going to be up here, but if, um, if you would, the first scripture we're going to look at is Romans chapter 2 or I'm sorry, Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. And then if you can, if you don't, you can write these down and certainly go back and look at these. But Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what the will of God, or what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Daily, daily, we need a renewing of our mind. Think about, or as I thought about this, and, and you would probably agree with me, think about prior to COVID, this was something that wasn't easy to do. We're so busy in our lives today and, and, and get caught up into so many things that it's hard to do this each and every day. Or, or we may start out uh, getting into God's word or praying every morning, getting that renewing of our mind each and every single day. We may start with that, but a lot of times how often do we, we may kind of fade away from that. I'm guilty of that. But we should be each and every day, we need a constant renewing of our mind. And, and think about post-COVID and how, how so many of us today, and, and, and I fell into that as well, we get distracted, right? There's so much going on in the world today that, that a lot of us were distracted with these things. A lot of us are we're, we're caught up into uh, the what political party we're, we're a part of or what political party we don't want to be a part of. 
and we get caught up into what uh, the media is saying. We get caught up in what they're saying at work. And when we do these things, we fail to remember what we are first and foremost as we're followers of Jesus Christ because we get distracted, right? We get distracted with, with, with everything in the world. And, and when the Bible says that we need to, each and every day, we need to be, uh, com, uh, re, we need a renewing of our minds so that we're not conformed to these things that are in the world. We don't need to be uh, distracted. So each and every day, you need to ask yourself, are you praying to the Lord? Are you getting into God's word? Do you hear something on TV? Are you going back to God's word and checking and seeing what his word says? Hey, you can just about type anything in Google today and, and type in or whatever it is, and you can type verse behind it, and it's going to pull up some type of scripture uh, that may kind of get you in the ballpark. But you can also type stuff in Google, and it leads you astray as well. So be careful uh, with using Google. Everything on Google, for those I'm, I'm about to burst some bubbles, is not true. Is not true. I, fa- I found that out the hard way because when I, when I told you a while ago, I, was, I don't write papers, but when I initially started writing my first paper, what did I do? I used Google, and that's not a good thing to do. Don't use Google resources to write a paper on truth. It will lead you astray. I didn't get a very good grade on that uh, paper. So I'm, I know what to, what to do to you. So Romans 12, 2. Also, 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. Remember, these are things that we should or shouldn't be doing in our life as Christians. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, To give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Again, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. How many of us today are thankful for where we're at right now? How many of us today are thankful to be in the house of the Lord with our other brothers and sisters in Christ that we're able to come and we're able to worship Jesus? We're able to get into God's word and get the truth that we need because there's so much false things in the world that we live in today. This truth is something that we need. Or how many of us are in here today and we have that, not that thankful heart, but we've got that deserving heart. We feel like we deserve this or we deserve that. We feel like these circumstances that we're in today is taken away from what, hey, wait a minute, this, this, this COVID stuff, it's, it's kept me to do things that I wanted to do. It kept me from, from going to that school. It kept me from getting this job promotion. Oh, I'm having to work from home now. From home now. I, can't, uh, I can't be in there and, and get recognized for the things that I do. How many of us have that thankful heart or that deserving heart and feel that the circumstance you're in is it's taken away You need to find thankfulness in all things that you're in, all circumstances that you're in. And you need to be looking at maybe what God is doing in that circumstance. I know it's been a pretty, uh, and I told my wife I was going to talk about this a little bit. She's like, oh, Lord. But this week has been an interesting week at my house. Um, So last uh, Saturday, my dad and, and I, we were coming back from West Virginia. We went up to kind of look at uh, the house and, and met the Blackwells up there and wanted to kind of see what we we're going to do. So we'd have a game plan for the folks. Uh, just FYI, after worship, we'll meet out there in Overflow to talk about the mission trip. So we were coming back from that mission trip, and, and we'd stopped at Hardy's. And, man, that's the first time I've eaten at Hardy's in probably two years. And it was the only place that was open in Virginia, and you can't sit down and eat. you got to wear a mask. you got to clean your hands. But anyway, I just got my food. My wife called me, and she was crying. And I asked her, I said, you know, what's going on? And she was like, well, I just hit Hank. 
And I looked in my rear view mirror and he's running out from behind the vehicle and I think it's Hank. I said, well, is it Hank or is it not Hank? Well, I don't know. I couldn't find him. He run off. And um, so Hank is our little cat or, or he was our little cat. And Hank come... <laughs> Hank came, um, so about seven months ago, Hank come, well, I, I couldn't stand cats before Hank, but this little cat, he was probably three or four weeks old, showed up on our front door, I don't know who put him there, one of y'all probably put him on my front porch, at three o'clock in the morning, at three, so I heard this cat on my front porch at three o'clock in the morning, I go and look, and he's standing there, and he's a little bitty cat, but um, so in that, we... Uh, I tried to come up with, with things, hey, let's take him somewhere, let's give him to somebody. Nobody would take him, so we kept him. So in that time of that seven months, I grown uh, or I had grew to, to love this cat. And as you know, if all you have pets, some think that this is silly, but some understand what I'm saying. If you have a pet and it, it's, it's in your life, you gain a love for that pet, right? And, and God has placed that thing in your life and, and they're there for, for joy. They're there for a blessing from God. God. God created animals, right? And he created them for us. So I, I gained a, a love for this cat and, and, and Hank, as I said, he didn't make it and we had to, to bury him. But me and my wife were talking the other night and was like, oh, we miss Hank. We, we really miss him. We wish he was here. And, and a lot of times I'll tease my wife. I was like, well, you shouldn't have hit him with the car. And, um, but... but I, I say all that. I say all that because she's gonna be mad. She's not laughing. I, say, <laughs> I there's a point to this. I say all that is because I, me and my wife were talking the other day. We was like, well, what was the purpose of that? Why did God give us this little animal for seven months? And as I begin to think about that, and I even prayed about that, and what Hank has helped me to realize is what's here today may not be here tomorrow. God gives us these things for for joy, he gives us these things for blessings. And it helped me to realize, hey, you need to be thankful. You need to have that thankful heart today because what you have today, us sitting here today, we may not be able to sit in here next Sunday. We may not be able to stand up in here and, and give God's word. We may be doing it from someone's basement. I don't know. We're gonna do it, but where we do it from, we don't know. But we need to be thankful for everything that's in our life. We need to be thankful for our kids. Even though they get on your nerves, be thankful for them. We need to be thankful for that circumstance that we're in and look and see what God is doing and see what God is trying to, to show us in that. So I think I'm thankful for that animal that God give me to kind of show me and kind of bring me back in line. And some of you today may be in a situation you're probably trying to ask, what in the world is God doing? Well, just talk to him and ask him to show you what he would have you to do. Seek his will in that situation. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says, For this is the will of God, that your sanctification, that you, had, you abstain from sexual immorality. How many of us today have that sin in our life? Huh? How many of us have the sin in life that are keeping us from seeking the will of God? As I said earlier, as this, as this topic, we have that lawlessness. We practice that lawlessness. How many of us today have that sin that's keeping us from, from pursuing after Christ? You know, we want to follow him. We want to be here today. We want to be here this morning, but it's all in the motion. When we leave here, we, we go back to that, that sin that may have in our life, and, and we're going to talk about this in a minute, uh, about how, you know, there's things that we're willing to let go out of our life, but there's also things that we don't want to let go, right? There's things that we, a lot of times we may justify and some of us today may have that sin, whatever it is. 
Some of us today may be having a thought going through our head, should I be with my spouse? You know, I've heard before people say, well, I feel God is sending me this person and, 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 and I, he's sending me this person so that I don't, you know, taking me away from my spouse. Folks, let me say right now, God is never going to send you someone to take you away from your spouse. That if, if you're thinking that today or if you've thought that, or if, you're, if, if that's you today and you think that God's sending you someone and you're married or if you've got a spouse that y'all may not get along with, that's not from God. God would never do anything. Uh, that's contrary to his word. He would never do anything to take you away from your spouse. But not only, maybe not only having that thought, but maybe whatever that other sin is that you don't want to get rid of, maybe that sin that you're justifying, maybe it's alcohol. Maybe we, don't, we, we, we want to do all of these things and we want to get into the motion of doing this and doing that, but we don't want to, we don't want to stop that alcohol. It's okay. Hey, I'm not, I'm not on TV bashing this, this police car or I'm not doing this or I'm not doing that. What's up if I, if I get drunk once or twice a week? That's okay. I'm not as bad as they are. But what did the Bible say? Drunkenness shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Right? So we don't like to look at that scripture. We don't want to get rid of that sin. We just want to a lot of times look at that sin that, hey, we're, we're not as bad as they are. But it's those sins that, that like that, that, that continue or keep us in that nominal Christianity to keep us from seeking the true will of God because we don't want to let that sin go. But we need to abstain from all of those sins. And we can't claim, hey, when we stand before Jesus as in, in, in Matthew chapter 7, we didn't know. We didn't know that that was wrong or we didn't know that that was a sin or that you didn't like that. And I think of the illustration, I was trying to think about what would be the best way to get this across and how many cops we got in here? No cop. oh, yep, okay, okay. So I was thinking about an illustration. So let's play that out. So if, if you leave here today and you pull out of this parking lot and you go up here in a seat in the you get pulled over by a cop. All right, so you can answer this. If, I, if you pull me over and for whatever reason you said, sir, you did this, if I tell you, Justin, I said, well, I didn't know that. I didn't know that that was a law. Are you going to let me go because I didn't know that it was a law? So it's my responsibility to know what the laws are, right? He may let me go and give me a warning, but he's not going to let me go because, hey, I didn't know it was a law because it's my responsibility as a driver behind a car to learn what the laws are, right? And as believers in Jesus Christ, it's your responsibility to know what God has asked of us. It's your responsibility to know what the will of God is. And every one of us in here has the ability to have this book. And if you don't see me or see somebody, we'll get you one of these books. But if you have one of these, and, and all you do, if you don't, you will, then you, you, there's no claiming that you didn't know that you wasn't supposed to do something. As I mentioned earlier, it's your responsibility. It's your responsibility to have the desire to get into God's word and seek the truth. Now, there may be things in this Bible that, that we may need to seek our, our pastor's help or seek Keith's help. Keith's a good person. I'll give you his phone number after, and you can call him with any questions you have. <laughs> but I, 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 yeah, yeah put, his, put his phone number. So if, if, if you do read through Scripture and you do have a question about something, there's nothing wrong with you seeking a mature Christian or, or whoever and saying, hey, what do you think about this? But what you do have to have that they can't help you with is the desire to know the truth. You have to have the desire to seek and know what that truth is. It's not going to be an excuse uh, when you're standing before Jesus and you say, hey, I didn't know that I was supposed to do this. Sorry. 
You had everything. You had it. You had this special revelation laid out before you. I gave it to you. It was your. It was because of you that you didn't have the desire. First John two sixteen and seventeen says, "For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but from the world." And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. And I was, I was, I was looking at that passage this morning. I, just, I kept looking at the last part of that scripture there, and it says, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Apart from doing the will of God, what, what's, what's going to keep us from him? It's not an option. It's not a choice. It's something that we have to do. But it says, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes. How many of us have experienced that today? We have the desires of the flesh. We've got the desires of the eyes. How many of us in here like to take selfies? Who's willing to let, raise their hand and say they're like, they like to take selfies? Okay, one. Thank you. So selfies in itself is not wrong. But when you, it's the motive of why you take selfies. You know, I, I can, it, it, you don't have to look far. You can... And I don't see these of you, so I'm not. But you, you can look on Facebook and you can see certain people, and I bet they post 100 selfies a day. And you have to ask yourself, what is the intention of why you're posting all of these selfies of yourself? Do you have the desires of the flesh? Do you have the desires of the eyes or want others to see the, the desires of the flesh or have the desire of you maybe? I don't know. Or the pride of life. Are we prideful? Are we concerned more about how our body looks like? I like to go to the gym, but uh, I, you can tell I don't work out hard just by looking at me, but I do enjoy working out. But you have to ask yourself, those that, uh, that, that go to the gym or do this or do that, what is the intentions? What is the intentions? It, we can easily be distracted. Again, we're going back to distractions. We can easily be distraction, distracted by these things, the desires of the flesh, desires of the eyes, or the pride of life. It is if, if, if that is you or those things is not from the Father, but it's from these, this world. Know that it's not from the Father, but from the world. And then I'm going to end this little section here in, in Romans chapter 6, verse 19. If you would, turn there, because um, I don't, again, they may get it up before I get done, but Romans chapter 6, verse 19. And then I'll, I'll wrap up the lawlessness here with this verse, and then we'll move on to the next one. Romans 6, 19, and you guys are quick. It says, I am speaking in human terms. If you guys were wondering when I was moving all this stuff earlier, I didn't want to trip over it, safety hazard there, but I, sorry, Matt, if I messed your stuff up here. I'm speaking in human terms here because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. I've often, uh, this is a very packed-filled verse here, and I've often uh, talked about this verse, whether in Bible study or, or preaching. And, and I think I've got a pretty good illustration of this. Um, imagine if I had a whiteboard up here and I drew a straight line on it. And on one side of that straight line, you had lawlessness, and on the other side of that straight line, you had righteousness. 
And as unbelievers, as we're walking, we're walking in that direction of lawlessness. So we're moving, as we, as we practice lawless, we're moving it further in the direction of lawlessness, which ultimately the outcome of lawlessness would end in hell. But when we come to know Jesus Christ, what do we do? We do an about face, right? We do a 180 and we change those ways and we begin to walk in the direction of righteousness. We begin to desire to live a righteous life even though we're not righteous, but it's Christ in us is what makes us righteous. Only Christ in us. But as we move in this direction to righteousness, we no longer desires, desire those things that are lawlessness or the, the lawless deeds. And as we were talking the other night, and it's amazing, Dakota, I, I promise, dude, you probably have my outline or something because Wednesday night you touched on this and then the things that you said this morning, uh, you kind of hit all over this as well. But we were talking the other night and we, we got to talking about that, the debate. And Dakota, we were, we were kind of talking specifically about well, what, based on the outcome of the debate, how does that change unbelievers? And then we got to talking about, you know, believers, if we know this versus that. And I could only think, as, I, as I'd already been studying this some, but I could only think, as I'm walking in this direction of righteousness, and you know who's at righteousness, Jesus is there, right? So my eyes are upon Jesus, and I'm looking at Jesus. I want to be more like him. As I'm doing that and I'm pursuing after Christ, I don't care about the outcome of this side back here behind me. I don't care if what's going to happen in the lawlessness or in, in the way whether it's annihilation or whether it's in hell because my eyes are fixed upon Christ. And no matter what happens here, it shouldn't change or it shouldn't change how you feel about what's going to happen here behind you. Because we're not in it for ourselves, right? We're in it because Jesus Christ is worthy and we should desire to be more and more and more like him because Christ is beautiful. You shouldn't just be pursuing after Christ to avoid what may happen to you, but you should pursue after him because he is worthy. He is worthy of your praise. He is, a be he is beautiful and we should be pursuing after him and we should desire those things that are, that, are, that are righteousness and walking in the way of him. We shouldn't try to hover around as we claim to come and know Christ. A lot of us try to hover around right there where we made that decision. We like to stay in that prayer, right? We talked about that earlier and we're all so caught up into that prayer that we're not moving closer to Christ. We're just doing or think we're doing enough to get us by and we shouldn't have that desire just to do enough to... to to get us by, but we should have the desire to pursue after Christ. We should, once you taste and you see that God is good, then you won't want anything else. The Bible says to taste and see that he is good. So once we've had that taste, not only do you want to live that way, but you want to uh, tell others about how good God is. So the second thing, the first, is nominal Christians are workers of lawlessness. The second thing, is nominal Christians have deceived themselves. They are deceived. And that's what we're going to look at now. If you, uh, uh, 2 Timothy verse 4. And I'm, I'm sorry. I keep saying that backwards. Chapter 4 in verse 3 is where we're going to look. And we're going to read down through verse 5. 2 Timothy ver, uh, chapter 4 verse 3. It says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, 
Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching but have itching ears. Folks, the time isn't coming no more. The time is here. We're in that time right now. And as I would mentioned earlier, we should all have, have the desire to, to get into God's word. But you see, a lot of us don't. A lot of us don't have the desire to, to get into God's word. Because why? Because truth hurts, right? Truth hurts. And when you read, read God's word, not all of it's going to agree with the way that you live your life. There's things in our life that we have there that doesn't need to be there. And when we read the scripture or we study God's word, we see those things. It exposes those things. It, the Bible even talks about doing that. 2 Timothy 3.16, what does it say? It says, scripture, uh, scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. A different translation that, that is used there, it's also it's good for rebuke. The scripture, the truth will rebuke you. Who likes to be rebuked? I don't think no one in here likes to be rebuked. If you want to see someone be rebuked, you need to come on Wednesday night sometime and see as, as, as we uh, brothers come in here and we're praying and there's things that we may think that, hey, we're doing things in, in life, but God gives one of these other brothers uh, a word and says, hey, that shouldn't be there. Oh, and it hurts. It hurts whenever you realize or God may speak through the scripture or speak through another brother in your life and he says, hey, that shouldn't be in your life. You're doing everything you can to try to justify why it's there. But see, that's what Scripture does. And we don't like that. We don't like to allow Scripture to tell us what should and shouldn't be in our life. We like for it to comfort us, right? We like those comforting Scriptures. But there's also Scriptures in, in God's Word that will rebuke us and it will tell us things that shouldn't be there. Prime example. i got an example for us. What is? I, I want to ask you guys this. What is one of the... What is a passage of scripture that is used in a lot of weddings or graduations or somebody gets a new job? Jeremiah 29, 11, yes. So let's read Jeremiah 29, 11. Does that mean you use that all the time? <laughs> Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. I like that scripture. He gives us a future and a hope. And a lot of times what we, and I'm guilty, again, I'm guilty. A lot of times we take that scripture and we apply it to anything in our life. We stop right there and we say, oh, okay, he's got a future and a hope for me, so maybe I should take this job or maybe I should... Maybe I should leave this or do that. And we try to make that fit to the life or the thing that we want in our life. When really there's more to that scripture, right? Have you ever heard of reading scripture in context? But we, we, we fail and we stop right there. But let's, let's, let's do this. Let's read on and see. Let's go beyond 29.11 and go into verse 12. So I'm going to start back over and I'll read through verse 12 and 13. And it says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. 
Verse 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. So we shouldn't just stop with verse 11. We should go into 12 and 13. Because I can tell you folks today that if, if there's something that you're praying about and you go to this scripture and whatever that thing is, if it's gonna keep you from seeking after God, it's not from God. God would never put you in a circumstance that's gonna take you away from him. So many of us today are praying for things that we want in our life and we're trying to uh, cherry pick scripture like this to make that thing fit in our life. And whenever we really should be seeking after him, whenever we really should be praying to him. How many of us have prayed to God about that situation? So know that today that we can't just go through and cherry pick uh, scripture to make it say what we want it to say. Amen. But we should go through and read it for what it is. We should read that passage, read that scripture in context because the purpose and the hope that we have is through prayer to Christ and through us as we seek Christ. And whatever comes from that is whatever happens. But our main goal is to seek Christ in all that we do, not for our plans, even though that they may be contrary uh, to what uh, our plans may be contrary to, to, to Jesus or what God has called us to do, we should seek after him. Verse four, verse four of that, that same passion, it says, we'll turn away from listening to the truth to wandering off into myths. You know, kind of in that same, same realm there as we're talking about that and it's important today, as I said earlier, it's important for us to know the truth because there's so many, so many. You don't have to go far to know that there's so many false things that are being said out there today. And there's one topic that, that so many that, that so many are following into these myths or following into these false teachings that we become confused. And if we don't have that foundation of God's word, if we don't know what it is, we're easily distracted. We're easily able to fall into whatever those beliefs are. And one hot topic today that everybody knows uh, or, or has, has heard about is gender. Gender, hot topic today, gender. You know, that's, 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 a, that's a sign of one of those, once you don't, you, you don't have that truth, so you begin to fall into this and you begin to fall into that. Folks, let me, let me, let me say something today. All that God made was good. And I promise you today, God's word, if he made you a certain way, it is by no mistake that you are supposed to be that way. And there's so many people today that are all so confused about that. But there's, God never made a mistake in his creation. And if he made you a certain way, that's the way that you should be. But people today, there's, there's so many things going around that, hey, it's, 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 I don't know who, who I am. But they're just distracted because they don't have the truth they have that relative truth. They don't have the absolute truth of God's word that's absolutely true. Truth's not relative. There's an absolute that's above us. It's not relative to the individual. We can't do and, and, and be what we want to be. We have to be uh, what God has called us to be. Because think about that for just a second. If, if, if what you said was true and what you said was true, then who's where would the truth be? Would it be what this person said or what that person said? There has to be an absolute truth because if there wasn't an absolute truth, the world would be chaos. If you play that out, you have to think about it for a second. If the truth was relative to me and I thought, well, I don't like you, so I'm gonna kill you. That's the truth in my life. It's relative to me, but what are you gonna say? Whoa, wait a minute. That ain't the truth in my life. 
So if you play those two out to the end, you see how chaotic it sounds, right? But there has to be an absolute truth. So where, did that come in? where does that come in? It comes in with God's word and how it says what we're supposed to do or the truth of that situation. So many times we feel that we need to do this or we need to do that when really you need to get into God's word and see what it says because we, 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 can't, lead, we can't live a life of, decei- uh, of deception and so many of us today's are, are today is, is deceived by how we feel. We're following our heart, right? What's the, what does the Bible say about following your heart? Huh? It's deceitfully wicked, right? So we shouldn't, if, if we feel something in our heart, that doesn't mean that, and, and we, we've come up with a saying for that. Oh, follow your heart. What, does your heart. what is your heart telling you to do? You love that person. Oh, yeah, follow your heart. Your heart will lead you to stray. Your heart may lead you in something that's contradictory to what God's word says. So we have to make sure that we're, we're not deceitful or we're not living a deceived life. And then the final thing is nominal Christians do not bear godly fruit. Nominal Christians do not bear godly fruit. Galatians 5.22. You guys can come on up. Galatians 5.22. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit... Spirit, notice that. It's not spirits. We'll talk about that in just a second. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. People today, a lot of times we hear today that you may be talking with someone that says, hey, I want to I wanna follow, I want to be what Jesus has called me to be. I want to change my life. I'm tired of living this way. I'm tired of walking in this way of of lawless deeds, and I want to do this for Jesus. I want to get my life back on track. Well, brother, sister, I, I want you to do that too. But you can't continue in the ways that you were and expect to be able to be what God has wanted you to be. You can't continue to have those sins there's certain things that God, ha- that, that there's a certain way that we should live and things that God wants us to do. And we're able to see here in Galatians uh, 5.22, it's not just cherry pick one or two of these things, but all of these things should be in our life because that is the fruit, right? We should be of love. If someone comes up to me and, and they're talking about you, they should say, yeah, that brother, sister, uh, they, they love they have a love for their brother and sister in Christ. They have a love not only for God, but they got a love for others. Not only that, but they have joy in their life. They're peace. They're not always trying to start stuff or, or contention. Man, that's a patient person. Man, you can't get no more patience than what that brother or sister has. They're kind. They're goodness. They're, they're good things about them. And they're faithful. Not only are they faithful to Jesus Christ, but that they're faithful to those that are around them. They're faithful to their to their wife, to their kids, to their job. When they when they when they tell you they're going to do something, they do it. They're going to do what they tell you. They're faithful. They'll be there when you're when you have a need. You can talk to them. But we should have this this fruit in our life. We should we should strive to to do these things and know that 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 is where. That is where the will of God is for us to do this. As I'd mentioned earlier, as, as, as we walk to Christ, you, you, you begin to see more of those. 
as, as we profess that Jesus is, is our Lord and Savior initially, we, those are the things that we have to work on. That's a part of it, living that righteousness. That's a part of sanctification that, that we develop these things more and more. How many of us today, we're not, we're, not, we're not developing those things. We're not moving further and further away from lawlessness and closer to Christ. We don't bear no fruit. We have no fruit at all. We have no desire to even know what the fruit is. We have no desire to be here today. How many of us today are only here because somebody asked you to be here? You're only here because your wife or your husband or your grandma, grandpa, mommy, daddy, Brandon asked you to be here. But as soon as you leave from here today, you're back to, to, to what you uh, normally were doing or what you uh, want to do. But we should have the desire to bear the fruit. And I, I, as I was preparing this week, I ran across this... Um, this quote, man, it's, it's, it's really good. The guy that wrote it, I give him credit, John Stark. Don't even know who it is, but I do know this is a, a very good, uh, good quote. And it says, A nominal Christian finds Christ useful, but a true Christian finds Christ beautiful. You see, that sums up what we were talking about earlier. And why do you continue to walk in that direction? You, you continue to walk in that direction because Christ is beautiful. Him and of Himself is beautiful. And that should make us want to strive after Him and be more like Him. We shouldn't pursue after Him for what He can do for us. I think there's a song out there today, and I don't even know who writes the song, but it says we should desire the giver instead of the giving. We should desire the healer instead of the healing. We should desire the Savior instead of the saving. Don't use Christ today. We can't use Christ to help keep us from doing something. We should, we should worship Christ. The true Christian is, is looking to Christ because He is worthy. No matter the circumstance, no matter if He doesn't pull you or you're in a circumstance and it doesn't end the way that you want it to end, Christ is still worthy. As I finish up today, there's coming a time, or, or we're almost in that time now as you watch the media, of where nominal Christianity is not going to be so easy anymore. It's going to become hard. You know, I think we've had it made here over the past, or at least in all of our lifetimes, to claim that we, we're, we are a Christian or claim that, hey, yeah, I'm a Christian. But as, as times change, it's not going to be so easy. I was, I was talking to a brother last night, and myself including, it's not, an e it's not as easy now to claim that in a work environment right now. Because immediately when you say that, hey, I'm a brother, I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, they begin to think, ooh, Wait a minute, he don't agree with some of the, what these other people are doing. So it's not as easy these days to, to uh, claim that you're a follower of Christ. And I can say as, as that gets harder and harder, nominal Christianity will fade away. And when it fades away, will you fade away? There's a refining going on. Are you a true Christian? Do you seek Christ because he's beautiful? No matter if we go from a time of where there's no persecution to a time of complete persecution will you continue to worship him? And as I read some of the stories of uh, when I was writing that, uh, the, the, um, the paper on that, the, the Diocletian that, that persecuted his Christians, and he gave them all kind of opportunities to, to, to deny Christ. Oh, if you'll do this, if you'll worship this image, you can live. But you see, they saw the beauty of Christ, that no matter the circumstance or no matter the outcome, they were going to worship Christ to the end. And it ultimately cost them their life. You have to ask yourself, in that time as persecution will come, will you fade away 
Will you see Christ for who He is? Will you allow Him to be beautiful in your life? And that's where your hope. The Bible says that rest is in the presence of God. Will you be restful in those circumstances? Let us stand. Our Father, Lord, we just... Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for today, Lord. We thank you for just being able to be here and get into your, your truth, Lord, your absolute truth, and how it guides us, Lord, and it teaches us. And Lord, that it would never lead us astray, Father. We thank you for that. Lord, I pray for the people out there today that don't have that truth. Father, I pray for the people that are distracted. I pray, Lord, that for the ones that are that are in that in that walk, Lord, they claim that they know you, Father, but it's just it's just them being in the motion. Lord, I pray for the ones that have sin in their life, Lord, that they just don't want to let go. That they feel that it's all right, Lord, or they they try to justify it, or they claim they don't know that it's a sin. Father, I pray today as we, as the worship team plays, Father, I pray that they would, Lord, I pray that they would just come and, and Lord, and just take that time to spend with you, Lord. Lord, I pray that if there's something that's holding them back, Lord, I pray that there's sin in their life, Father, that they would just, they'd lay it down, Lord. If, if Maybe it's not, a, whatever it is, maybe it's a, it's a job, maybe it's a, a desire that they have, Lord, that is contrary to you, Father. Whatever it is, Lord, which ultimately would lead to sin, Lord, I pray that they would give it up today. Because, Father, you're worthy. You're worthy, Lord. I pray that we would get serious about you. We would desire a walk. We would desire to know you. We would turn from those ways of lawless living, Father. We would turn to the way that you are righteous, Lord. You are our standard, Lord. It's not about being better than that person next to us, but it's about being like you, Father. We thank you for that imputed righteousness on it, Lord. Without you, there's nothing good in us, but you living in us, Lord, we're able to, to be what you want us to be. Father, I pray for these people today. I help us all, myself included, to, to continually seek you and to know your truth and not only to store it up in ourselves, Father, but give it to those that don't have the truth and, this, and Lord, just come against those evil things that are being taught today in our schools and our workforce to our kids. Lord, I pray that we would give them the truth and combat those things and stand with you, Father. There's rest in you. And ask all these things in Jesus' name.